Buzzard podcast on the planet. This is Buzzardry. Here are your hosts, Ben Milam and Patrick McGee. And we're back. It is September 15th. Wednesday night is when we were recording this. This will be out. Tomorrow, late morning around lunch, maybe early afternoon sometime, uh, this is another episode, I believe it's episode three of Buzzardry. We thank you all for being with us. We are rolling right along. My name is Ben Milam. I'm here with my partner, Patrick McGee. Patrick, how are you doing? Doing all right. Glad to be on. Big one this weekend, huge. Uh, Don't think that can be understated against Troy this weekend, coming off of win number one. What immediately jumps out to you, or is the story that you're looking for in that game? Uh, I think the uh, the big story is the game plan and how the game plan around. What I mean, I think at this point, most people expect uh, Ty Keys to probably start um, on Saturday, um, just because um, the severity of uh, the uh, Trello injury. So I think you're going to see Keys start, and I think. The uh, the story is going to be how can they game plan for our keys, give him some easy throw, use his running ability, uh, and kind of, you know yeah build build your offense around easy throws and his ability to run the football. I think is going to kind of be the offensive uh, game plan on uh, on Saturday. So that's kind of the thing I'm watching just to see how keys does and how uh, Hall and the staff uh, kind of prepare for this game and. Uh, give him the best opportunity to succeed. Yeah, the indication seems to be that it will be keys uh, from what Coach Hall has said as well as some some other sources out there. Um, Lowe did not participate yesterday in practice. I haven't heard uh, anything from today. I don't think he practiced today either. So, yes, the indication is it will be keys. And this is – to me, this is one of the games – early on where you, you really find out pretty quickly how good the staff is in game uh, because it, it looks uh, – the forecast is correct. It will be a rainy game. And so will you be able to throw it as much as you want to? Um, you know, that, that might be a little tougher to establish um, in the passing game, you know, it, it, at least as much as it would if it wasn't raining but with a wet ball and – you know, all kinds of different factors come in when there's bad weather. And so you are probably going to be forced to run it a little more than you typically would. Um, you know, that'll obviously give you an advantage on the defensive side, but on the offense, on the offensive side of things with, you know, a green QB making his first start and, you know, trying to open things up for him. Uh, I think you see would typically see, you know, even without the rain, a lot of intermediate type stuff and more of a you know running game through the air type uh, approach. Um, again, we didn't see. So I think we saw one deep ball from Keys in that second half against Scrambling State. And so either way, you're probably not going to see a whole, a whole lot over the top. Uh, but the question is, can you throw the ball enough to open up that running game? Um, 
tough news out of practice. You believe it was yesterday in Coach Hall's postgame presser. Uh, Darius Mayberry out for the year. Hate it for him. He has dealt with um, a myriad of injuries. Um, guy's got all kinds of talent. Everybody was fired up when we got him um, to commit. Uh, I guess that was three years ago. Yeah, he was uh, in that 2017 class because he was Four on. Four years ago, yeah. Right, because he was on that 2016 uh, Clinton. Mm-hmm. I guess they won the state championship. Yeah, they were with Acres, uh, Cam yeah. Acres, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they're on the same team. So, yeah, so it'll it'll be interesting to see. We'll still see probably a steady dose of Gore Jr. and Richard with the way he played. Um, depth depth chart indicate indicated that. Uh, Chandler Pittman was the three, but then we, we got maybe a correction of that, uh, that maybe it was going to be D. Baker instead. Um, but from what I've heard, we will see Pittman either way and maybe some of those split back sets uh, with either Junior or Richard alongside Keys. And so, yeah, to me, if it is one of those kind of washout games where it's just – you know, it's steadily raining the whole time and the ball is wet and it's, it is hard to throw it. I feel like Southern Miss has the advantage in that case, um, specifically the run defense. Uh, you know, I believe it's 82 total yards on the ground that they've given up, something 80-something. Um, I think it was 31 in the first game and 50-something uh, against Grambling State. And so I think – Especially with with what Troy's going to throw at you, um, they did not have really any success. Well, they had a little bit of su- success running the ball against Liberty. That's a good defense, but in large part, uh, struggled on the ground and had to throw it a lot. Um, transfer QB from Missouri. We're going to talk about him a little bit. Powell uh, played pretty well against Liberty. Eighteen for twenty-five. He was efficient. And so uh, he will be tested in this one as far as throwing the ball. Um, but, yeah, it, it, I feel like the advantage goes to Southern Miss if that is, you know, this, the setting of this game. Yeah, I was looking at it earlier today, uh, just kind of looking at the history of these coaches and their tendencies in terms of how they call plays and the offenses they run. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about Hall's offenses dating back to West Alabama where, you know, he historically usually runs the ball about over 60% of the time, run right. first kind of guy. And if you look at the two years um, when Chip Lindsay has been at uh, Troy, they've been a little um, under 60% in terms of passing the ball. So they're, he's more of a pass-first guy, um, whereas Hall has historically been more of a run-first guy. Um, and I think in a game where if it rains and makes it harder to pass, I think that's going to benefit uh, Southern Miss a little bit more just because of, I guess, you know the offensive uh, strategies and um, – I guess offensive philosophy, if you want to call it that, right. of uh, of the two coaches. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I was took away from um, from looking at just the history of these uh, of the two coaches and uh, how they could play into the weather conditions on uh, on Saturday. Early indication seems to be that the defense is the strength of both of these teams. That was certainly the case last year for Troy and. Yeah, you scored. I think it was fifty-one against. Um, play Southern University it was game 55 one. Fifty-five to three. Fifty-five. So you scored fifty plus in game one, um, which you can't you can't totally wipe that off the board because Southern absolutely blew out Grambling State in the spring. Um, you know, which you know maybe you can make the argument that that 
that spring season is a total wash. Um, Gremlin State brings back uh, a lot of talent, and I think they will be better than maybe what you saw. But this this Troy uh, defense again is their their strong suit. A little undersized. Um, I think you'll see um, some. You'll probably notice that pretty immediately on Saturday. Um, that front four has been pretty good for them. Five total sacks against Liberty, I think. Uh, again, that that Liberty team is that's a fringe top twenty-five team. That's a good ball club that they they you know had within one score and, and really had a chance to beat um, at the end of that game. Held Malik Willis, Coach Hall called him a Heisman candidate, one of the the better um, you know more multifaceted quarterbacks in the country and. Um, uh, you know, to hold him, he really accounted for every bit of that offense. I think I had all three touchdowns in that game, um, one of them on the ground. Almost had 100 yards rushing, um, just under 200, a little over 200 passing. So he had a great day. But outside of that, uh, you know, really pretty impressive for that defense. Uh, and so I expect this to be a, a, a defensive struggle in a lot of ways, particularly because you have you know the freshman at quarterback for Southern Miss and uh, the defense being the strength for both of these teams. Yeah, I think so. I was you know I kind of compared uh, Keys in this point of his career to Tate Wiley mm-hmm. um, when he was the quarterback. Um, 2018 as a true freshman, and a lot of those games where he was, or I guess he started two or three games that year, and they were all kind of low scoring. I think mm-hmm. beat Marshall 26-24, um, beat La Tech 21-20. So a lot of games in the 20s, mm-hmm. kind of where you, where he's completed about 50 percent of his passes, thrown for about 150, um, and you know run the ball a bunch. And I think uh, Keys, I think that's about realistically what you can expect from him at this point, where he's right. going to complete. You know he's not gonna he's not gonna complete eighty percent of his passes for four hundred yards and four touchdowns. That'd be and nice. It would be nice, yeah. <laughs> but I think realistically, you know, you expect him to complete fifty, maybe sixty percent of his passes, not throw up a whole lot of passes mm-hmm. in terms of just attempts. Um, try to be efficient. Don't turn the ball over, and uh, you know, run them maybe ten, fifteen times. I mean, I don't, I don't. They may try to. They may not try that as much because. Uh, just because they don't want to get down to the third string and the fourth string in terms of uh, injuries. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game where your keys will have to be efficient, don't turn the ball over, uh, and try to win, you know, a 21-17 type game, Mm. 24-20, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Spread is 12. Oh, did it go up to 12? Um, It was – I saw – it's either 11 I'm looking at 10 right now. ESPN says 10, okay. Yeah, it was uh, it was lower. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There hasn't been a whole lot of games where we've been a double digit dog at home. No, no. I mean you you would have had some of those games 2013, 2014 where you would have been double digit dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe state in 2015. Uh, I was trying. There was a website a couple of years ago I found that had like archived uh, spreads all the way back to like 1994. And I was trying to find that, but even that Kentucky game, I think, I think it was, it was about seven, seven or eight. Yeah, yeah, I think it was about seven or eight. Um, so, I mean, maybe, like, if you want to go real, back real far, Cal in 2004, Nebraska in 03. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's probably not a whole lot of times over the past 25, 30 years where, uh, you know, Southern Miss has been a uh, a double-digit uh, underdog at, uh, at home. 
So, um, but I, I don't think it's a traditional, you know, usually when you're a double G dog at home, you're playing a team that just has a lot more talent than you, you know, you know, maybe yeah. a team from a power conference that recruits at a really high level. Um, at, I mean, Troy, they, I mean, they may be 10 or 15 points better, but I don't think there's a big difference. I mean, they may in talent, um, I think, you know, they may have the better roster, but I don't think it is right. as big as when you play an SEC team like Kentucky that, gets four stars or a Mississippi State or a team like that. So I don't think this is a traditional game where, you know, you're double-digit dog and you're just completely outclassed. I think, uh, you know, Troy, they may end up being, you know, a lot better. We may find that out on Saturday. But I don't. Mm-hmm. it's not one of those games where you feel like you're just completely uh, out-talented. Um, no, you don't. This this game is winnable. And, you know, a, lot's, a lot will have to go right. There, there's a – a reason that that spread is is double digits. I think you bring, I think it's twenty two starters, eleven on offense, eleven on defense. Not all of those guys are starting for Troy. Um, you inject a couple high quality transfers, Florida State transfer quarterback, um, and obviously the, the Powell out of Missouri at quarterback, and another guy at a defensive tackle, and have you know really shored up that defense that. From from what I have read and in some of the the film that I've watched, which is it's it's not a whole lot, small sample size, but um, if they are, and again, I, I think they were picked pretty low in the Sun Belt. Yeah, I um, think second to last, maybe. Yeah, uh, but it, but the computers like them. Yes, S and P Plus, those ratings love them. Again, a lot of close games last year, and and played Liberty to the wire, and so that. Defense, I, I think, is good enough for them to be able to compete in the Sun Belt. This is this is a team I expect. Um, you know, if you stay healthy, and that defense plays the way it did last year, and and if Powell is efficient as he was last week against Liberty, I think this is this is a top third team in the Sun Belt uh, to me. So there's a reason that it is you know ten or eleven, and um, we'll see how it moves from here. Uh, but but that it is a high quality uh, you know team coming in. Uh, to the rock and and why we have talked about it as a barometer game and, and a trajectory. You know, you you win this game, you you pick up a lot of confidence, and you come in on the other side of that Alabama game and start conference play. You feel a lot better about yourself. Yeah, and and I will say about Troy. You know, we're talking about these numbers, how many players they bring back, and all these kind of things. I, I will say that the vibes just feel a little off with this pro or with the Troy program. That is, um, you're not a Chip Lindsey fan. Well, no, I mean, I I was a guy. I thought you know we should have brought him in in 2016 uh, when yeah. mm-hmm. uh, when when Munkin left, but uh, Neil Brown really had them as a top program in the Group of Five. You know, they're winning ten games, and I think everybody mm-hmm. remembers when they beat LSU and Nebraska. Uh, and then Lindsey's come in, and you know, in two years, two plus years, he's been 11 and 14. A lot of people think he may even be coaching for his job. So mm-hmm. uh, they've kind of underachieved a bit the past couple of years. A lot of people think so. It just seems like things are a little off there. So this. Not at all based in any numbers or facts or analytics. It's just kind of a one of those gut feeling uh, type things that yeah. I've been thinking of. So the there vibe is off. The vibe is off in Troy. <laughs> yes. So well, oh. well, we will see how that plays into Southern's <laughs> hands uh, on Saturday. So what? So what to you? What hap- What needs to happen for Southern Miss to be able to win this game? Uh, I think. Don't turn. The, I mean, don't turn the ball over. I mean, that's the obvious one. I mean, that's well, yeah, especially with Ty Keys at right. quarterback. You know, we we remember you know Keon Howard how he was thrown in there early, mm-hmm. and and those the bumps that you expect with the freshman QB they will either come 
as you know, kind of a lackluster offense or just a bunch of turnovers or both. And so, yeah, the the hope is that that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's just an obvious one for any game, really, but especially with this one with the new young quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think run the ball just because of the weather, um, being able to, yeah, running the ball and not turn the ball over, being mm-hmm. efficient in the passing game, uh, those kind of things. So just, I mean, it's kind of the things you look for in every game, but feel like with the weather and uh, the young quarterback, those kind of things will – maybe emphasize even more. So those kind of things I'm looking at. Yeah, and I think whoever whoever has the most success on the ground, to me, uh, will have a huge, huge upper hand uh, in this game. Um, again, we mentioned how good those defenses, both of those defenses have been. Um, but Troy really, again, has not had much success at all on the ground. And so if you can stuff the run and, you know, the rain's coming down, I think you feel pretty good on the defensive side of uh, side of the ball. Um, be really interesting to see the approach offensively uh, with Tykes at quarterback. Um, I think I think you'll see Tr- Chandler Pittman get some touches. Uh, he was really good in fall camp. Um, he, he flashed in that receiver position really at the Y spot. And probably most years he would be in that too deep, but you know, with with all of those those first year wide receivers that came in, obviously Jacarius Caston, Demarcus Jones coming in, um, have have played really well in these first two games, specifically last week. Um, and, but I think if if yeah, if it's a regular year, Chandler Pittman is the type of talent that would see the field early and so I think you get him some touches maybe throw a few wrinkles in there I think Daquan Bailey Brown gets involved um specifically with Jason Brownlee you know not uh being totally healthy and also Bailey Brown's a guy you can you can uh you know you know play in that sweep um sweep action type stuff and um yeah so that'll be uh really interesting to see especially if it's raining uh I know those games can go any way, uh, you know, my my two biggest memories of uh, rain games at the Rock are the the Louisville game in 2012, which is when I hit rock bottom and kind of stayed there for the rest of the, rest of the year, uh, and three or four years after that, um, and uh, what was 2011 oh, Louisiana Tech, Tech. 2011 yeah, were, yeah, La Tech that it was what was it 17 1917 I think 1917 I think is what it was the field goal to win it. Um, just, yeah, I, I, I expect a similar, I believe that Louisville scores was pretty similar too. 21, 17. I think. Yeah. So, so right in that, yeah. High teens, low twenties. I think you said 24, 21, something, you know, yeah. of that nature. I would, I would expect a similar score. I think I saw the over under at 50. I would hammer the under on that. I think that's way too many. Obviously I don't know what I'm talking about, so that's not betting advice. But fully expect um, that type of game, just kind of grind it out. Whoever can run the ball uh, with any efficiency, um, I think, wins this game. We'll move on. I, I would say that's sufficiently yeah, previewed. I think so, yeah. And, um, again, we are going to we're going to start taking some questions um, from our listeners. Uh, we've already had a few on some of those live broadcast but um we'll love to have a few of those as we do these game previews so we will we will tweet that out um get you all that information so you can get those questions in conference realignment i think we talked about it every single episode but it, it seems like something else you know some oh, tidbit comes out every single week it's and, unbelievable and how one. much is 
changed. Every, I mean, just since we yeah. recorded last Wednesday, I, yeah. I have a whole timeline uh, uh, that I sent to you. I don't yeah, give us the timeline. So we recorded Wednesday night. So then Thursday, uh, Brett McMurphy of uh, Action Network is Action. Ne- I think it's what the Action Network is like a betting site, mm-hmm. but he he's yeah. like he has a lot of big time sources. So he has said something like the Sun Belt. They're looking to expand, maybe, or he didn't say definitely, but he said they were looking to expand from ten to twelve teams. Mm-hmm. On Friday, you had a, a statement from Keith Gill, the uh, commissioner of the Sun Belt, saying, you know, if a team has value, we'll look to add them or something of that nature. Right. Uh, then Sunday, you had a, um, a tweet from a JMU James Madison, who actually we actually talked about just their football program uh, mm-hmm. briefly on Sunday. But uh, before this tweet came out, but they had said that uh, USM, James Madison, Marshall, and Old Dominion were going to be added to the Sun Belt. Uh, and then today you had a tweet. Uh, let's see. Well, you actually had, I mean, multiple things happen today. We had an article from uh, Chris Vanini mm-hmm. of The Athletic where he had listed, uh, I mean, quite a few schools. I don't know the exact number. Um, network candidates for AAC realignment. It, it didn't have a whole lot of concrete information. That's really been one of the harder things to find in this whole thing is just um, like actual information. I mean, it's mostly, mostly been speculation. You know, Lots of you, rumblings. Right. The SEC thing kind of just dropped, and that was that. Yeah. And then the Big 12, you had you know, a decent bit of uh, reporting on that. And with Group of Five, it's kind of like, all right, this might happen, but it might not, and we're – you know, it's not a whole lot of actual, like, exact um, information, I guess. I'm using that word a lot, but uh, on this process. But uh, he had the thing about AAC, and then there was a tweet uh, from Kevin Lindsay of uh, what outlet he is from. Uh, let me pull that up. It's 601 Sports yeah, or something. Yes, yeah. Impact, Laurel Impact. Uh, he had a tweet that said, uh, with the rumors of Southern Miss potentially moving to a different conference, I've heard of two places, the AAC and the Sun Belt, after digging today. I tend to believe if they move, they'll be headed to the Sun Belt. Um, need money to get out of CUSA, though. And then uh, Matt Brown, who has been one of the best uh, follows, I think, on Group of Five realignment. He um, has a, a sub-stack um, called Extra Points. And he quote-tweeted that and said, this is my thinking as well, based on what I've heard at the moment. Mm-hmm. So that's you know, kind of one of the better sources or better follows um, for group of five conference realignment um, type stuff saying that he's heard rumblings about Southern Miss maybe moving to the Sun Belt. So that's kind of all this happened in the past week just to uh, catch people up on everything uh, new that's come out. A lot of new, a lot of new stuff. Uh, yeah. That, that JMU game day, James Madison game day tweet um, if you didn't see that, which I realize a lot of our most of our audience is on Twitter, but uh, I'm just going to read it because I I think it was it was really interesting. It also kicked up a whole lot of dust on Southern Miss Twitter. Uh, so this is the tweet: anonymous sources close to decision makers, which <laughs> gives absolutely no information uh, or legitimacy. Uh, so anonymous sources close to decision makers. Say a move by James Madison, Marshall, ODU, and Southern Miss to the Sun Belt is highly likely. Troy would move to the West, and Sun Belt East would be James Madison, App State, Marshall, ODU, Coastal Carolina, Georgia, Southern Georgia State, uh, which I feel like that would be a pretty interesting. Uh, it, that would make sense as far as divisions go, but that's I feel like that division would be maybe a little overly loaded. So. Um, but anyways, yeah, so that was the first 
concrete rumor, if that's a thing, yeah. um, of Southern Miss to Looks the like Sun Belt. like an oxymoron almost. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes, it is. But uh, I feel but, like, yeah. yeah, that's what it was. And, and so, yeah, since then it seems like the consensus has been Southern Miss to the Sun Belt. And, and you know, f- taking our experiences from – past conference realignments um typically first of all typically things move a little quicker um than you expect them to i think everybody kind of freaks out and and goes into survival mode like we've talked about but usually when when they're you know these little vague shadowy indications of something happening kind of over and over again usually there's something to that it's most of the time not totally accurate um but again, it, it it sounds like the most realistic move for Southern Miss would be Conference USA, and you know you've heard some. some you mean Sun Belt or Sun Belt? Yeah, Southern Miss to the Sun Belt. Um, what did I say? You said Conference USA. I don't know if you meant like <laughs> no. staying in CUSA. <laughs> no, leaving leaving Conference USA. I I think the the indication seems to be that Southern Miss will not be in Conference USA. And Conference USA might not survive this. Um, and so, I, to me, that makes the most sense because we've talked about the AAC model and Southern Miss really doesn't fit that. Yeah. Uh, the only way that you would see Southern Miss in that discussion to be added to the AAC is is if the, the AAC kind of throws out that model for the sake of tradition, fan base. Yeah, um, I think it's et almost... Cetera, et cetera, and those, those former rivalries. Yeah, I mean, the, several years ago, I heard or there was a Tulane fan on Twitter or somewhere it was like the case for USM it's almost like a moral case like they should have been in years they should have been right. in years ago right you know they've fallen off a little bit but they should be in just because they should have been in years ago and just they were, give them a break yeah for once. <laughs> once. So, yeah so uh yeah Sunbelt makes the most sense to me and I think that would be a big boost I think the Sunbelt say you add I, I don't I don't like the Old Dominion addition to the no. Sun Belt. Um, I mean, I get it because you know their their budget is huge uh, and the endowment and, and all that kind of stuff. Financially, it makes sense academically. Basketball, basketball, yeah, yeah. yeah they won the uh, tournament. It's, a it's years been ago. competitive. Yeah, won the tournament a few years ago. Um, when, but I mean, you're but, really are you're really shoring up the uh, Eastern uh, Seaboard with those three. Uh, yes, yeah, you are. So. Yeah, um, but yeah, so, you, you know, switch out ODU for whoever else or keep ODU in that. I think that's a strong conference and it's regional and I think it makes a lot of sense. So I, I think that would certainly be an upward move for Southern Miss. Yeah, and so the, it's an interesting thing. You were talking about divisions and that got me to thinking a couple of days ago. So if you had – so let's say one of the rumors we heard late last week was – they kind of like USM and Marshall are kind of tied at the hip in terms of Sun Belt. It's just going to be those right. two. USM and Marshall are going to join the Sun Belt. So in that scenario, you would have a division of USM would be in a Western division of USM, South Alabama, Arkansas State, Texas State, Lafayette, Monroe. Mm-hmm. But you would not be in the same division as Troy. So in that scenario where you had fourteen, where you had two more Eastern teams that would bump Troy mm-hmm. to the West division with USM, which would basically align USM and division with I think all the schools that we would want to be associated with. I think I think the three, maybe four schools that USM fans and I mean I don't know what the administration thinks, but I think the three teams that USM fans kinda of want to be associated with in the Sun Belt are Troy, 
Lafayette and uh, and South Dallas, maybe Arkansas State to a uh, a lesser extent. And in that situation where you're adding when you're adding three um, Eastern teams would bump Troy over the other side, that would be possible. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you only add one team from the East, Marshall. Uh, that would put Troy on the uh, east side. It would also not only separate it from USM, but also separate it from South Alabama, yep. which wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, just given the uh, geography of that. So yeah, I th- but I think it, um, I think it, it would be a move that would make sense. You know, we kind of talked about uh, similar cultural identity mm-hmm. between teams and conferences, geography. Um, I think it's a move that makes sense. I don't think it's, I think it's a slight step up. I don't think it's a, you know, even the, no, not the Big Twelve. No, but I mean, I think you know, if, if you've gotten the AEC, I mean, even with the AEC weakened as it is, I think just getting those rivalries back with mm-hmm. Memphis, ECU, and Tulane, um, that would be a not a huge step up with what it would have been, you know, five years ago. But right. I think it would be a, a moderate step up. Uh, but I think the Sun Belt would be a small step up. You get in a conference that uh, fits the uh, institutionally, geography, culturally, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and I th- you know, just change the scenery. <laughs> yes. I think, I think people are just, I mean, you know, it's been that way even when you had Memphis and all those schools and, but I think people are just fed up with CUSA, um, and USM, uh, the fans at least, I don't know how the administration feels. I can't imagine that, uh, they're loving CUSA either, but, um, just change the scenery if anything. So, yeah. And we, we talked about when Bill McGillis was here, you know, the, how, you know, that AD hire was probably kind of nodding, you know, to, um, you know, trying to get some points for the AAC and all the connections he had from South Florida. Um, you know, and his his line was when people asked him about conference realignment was this is our home, not our destination. Right. And so I think, you know, I, I think all indication from the administration has been really – last seven or eight years or so has been, you know, when, when the time is opportune um, and it is, you know, an actual step up, I I think the goal is to be out of conference USA, which uh, I think makes a lot of sense. And I would, one, one thing that I'm interested to see is first of all, where's Louisiana tech and all of this and does conference USA even survive with, you know, you shave off those those three, you could, you know, uh, conceivably stay alive. You'd, you'd have to add at least one. Um, you know, you'd probably have to, to um, you know, kind of get another bundle from one of those other conferences to, to really stay alive. But, um, yeah, and it's funny to me because just about every single school – at least, you know, this is okay. This is from fan bases on Twitter, but you know, usually that's a decent uh, implication of, of what the general feel of a fan base is sometimes. Um, but everybody wants out of Conference USA, yeah. And that was one of the things in the athletic article, uh, that Chris Vanini was saying that was like basically no one is looking to jump to CUSA. I mean, he was right. saying people are fed up with the TV contract and that kind of thing. So I don't CUSA, I mean, unless they're going to add a FCS team looking to move up, like a James Madison or maybe even, I mean, maybe Sam Houston or somebody. Yeah. I don't think CUSA's, I mean, I don't think they're in a position at, I don't even think a Liberty would want to join CUSA at this point, even though they're independent. I mean, they have better games scheduled just as an independent than they would yes. have in CUSA. So I don't and think- turned down by CUSA 
Yes, uh, and the Sun Belt. Yeah. Uh, a couple years ago. It was, well, I think it was before the Hack Freeze. But, okay. um, but yeah, I think in terms of lo- – or going back to um, leaving the administration, wanting to leave Conference USA, I think the goal was always the American. I think everybody mm-hmm. thought that the Sun Belt at best was a lateral move. Right. And I think now you're kind of saying, well, maybe it's at, you know, maybe a slight step up. Because I think for years, the perception of the Sun Belt, I, I tell a couple people this today, um, growing up, we we were always in the New Orleans Bowl. Uh-huh. Every year we were in a stretch where we were in the New Orleans Bowl four out of six years. And the New Orleans Bowl is basically the bowl for the fourth or fifth best CUSA team. So like a 500, 7-5 mm-hmm. type CUSA team. And we would always play the Sun Belt champion. So the thinking I had growing up, was like, oh wow! So like, this is a disappointing season for us, but for the Sun Belt, this is your champion. Like, right, this is right. this is the the peak of Sun Belt. So I was like, oh man, I can't imagine being a fan of a Sun Belt if the New Orleans Bowl is the best you can do. Um, but I mean, that's kind of changed where the Sun Belt has surpassed CUSA mm-hmm. in terms of on the field, in terms of um, exposure with the ESPN deal. And that, yeah, that TV contract is. I think it's just under a million. Um, is it, it's either eight eighty or nine eighty, hey, yeah, I don't, which I don't, is which is well yes well yep. above the conference USA. Yeah, I don't contract. know the exact um, numbers on that, but in terms of exposure, we're way ahead mm-hmm. in exposure for sure. So um, yeah, ES, ESPN drives the bus. If if that is is not something you've picked up at right. this point, and I, yeah, I still don't know. Our CUSA got away from them ten or fifteen years ago or whenever that was. But um, so yeah, I think the perception. I think there's still a couple people that. Uh, out there, that they're like, well, this is a step down. We can't join the Sun Belt. We can't associate ourselves with like ULM or whoever. Um, just kind of old school. And I, look, I mean, I was late on it too. I mean, I really was thinking, well, maybe our best option would be just to form the best to CUSA, best to the Sun Belt, instead of just straight up joining the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking, well, that's not going to happen because I don't. There was a um, something that said that Chris Fanini, I think another Chris Fanini article up back said something that there was no interest with the Sun Belt. That because the Sun Belt is better than CUSA, so why would they want to mm-hmm. merge with CUSA or do, you know, take a bunch of their teams in as part of a best of league? Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I think the perception changed. As far as La Tech goes, uh, I think they might be in a tricky spot because they're not going to get in the AAC. Uh-huh. And they've really made a lot of people mad in the Sun Belt just because of how they've treated uh, Lafayette and uh, Louisiana Monroe over the years. So I think, they're in a situation where they're not really wanted by any other conference. Um, so if this is if this is a situation where CUSA gets picked apart, let's say UAB goes to the American, let's say USM and Marshall, maybe Old Dominion go to the Sun Belt, and mm-hmm. they're going to be in a, a CUSA that's gutted even more than it already is. So I think that's a school that uh, they could be uh, left holding the bag, uh, so to speak, in terms of uh, realignment just because of their actions with the uh, – other Sun Belt schools. That, I don't know if you remember 2012. Uh, they had Louisiana Tech went nine and three, where they had beaten uh, Illinois and Virginia, and they almost beat A and M with Manziel and Shreveport, and then a very, very. It was probably the best Louisiana Tech team probably ever. Yeah. And they had the option of playing in the Independence Bowl against Louisiana Monroe, which would have been a huge crowd because you're playing in Shreveport with two North Louisiana schools. And then, but then their other option was okay. Maybe we can wait out and try to get in the Liberty Bowl against, like I think it was against Tulsa that year. And so they turned down the Independence Bowl, hoping to get in the uh, Liberty Bowl. And then the Liberty Bowl, they didn't get in that. I think Iowa State got in that. And then the Independence had already filled their spot. 
and they were had a nine and three team, best team they ever had. And they didn't get a bowl just because they thought they were too good for Louisiana Monroe. Yes. So that just kind of shows you the attitude that they have toward the other or the two Louisiana schools uh, in the Sun Belt. There's very much a uh, a superiority complex, and I think a lot of people have seen that clip of their athletic director saying <laughs> something about he's not there. He's actually the associate AD at Vanderbilt now, but he said something. Uh, to the effect of, you know, the Sun Belt, they hope they can be conference or something like that. So, right. yeah, they've, uh, they've made a lot of people mad in the Sun Belt over the years for sure. Yeah, the Sun Belt, um, I forget who it was, but um, there's been talk of them taking out the two non-football right. schools. Arkansas, Little Rock, and um, UT Arlington. Yeah, so so shaving them off and kind of, yeah, just kind of a general shuffling if you add those other teams, and it does sound like just from that statement, um, kind of reading between the lines, that they will be um, aggressive. Um, and I and I think the first the first domino to fall as far as G five, well, maybe it's it's first the first one has already fallen with um, those three taken from the AAC. But the next move is is the AAC. Who does the AAC take? Is it any Conference USA team? Um, and and then I think you go from there, and I think that's when you see the Sun Belt start to to make their move, um, which it's which I do. I think I think if you uh, you know take one or two of those Conference USA schools, whether it's UAB, uh, you know, and whoever else, or you know, even a Georgia State uh, from the Sun Belt, that that's when you know you'll see a lot of this G five movement actually happen, and. Uh, I think we have it pretty much covered. We'll, you know, probably have something else to talk about next week as far as conference realignment. Um, and you know, we will keep a close eye on that, as is everyone else. Uh, some good games this weekend uh, in conference USC. I believe it's the first two conference in conference. Yeah. Matchups. So just going through, you have uh, you have our game. Uh, then you have two thirty. You have SMU at lot at La Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, SMU could be an AAC contender. I mean, I guess since he's the big favorite there. What's the spread on that? Seventeen or twelve and a half? Twelve and a half. Okay. But that game's at Ruston. So if La Tech uh, were to win that, that'd be a big statement um, mm-hmm. for the league. You have MTSU, UTSA, uh, UTSA. I mean, I think maybe an outside shot of winning ten or eleven games just mm-hmm. based on the schedule. They've already won their one bye game of the year. Um, so let's see how they open up conference play. You got Fordham and FAU, uh, ECU and Marshall. That's another um, AAC CUSA matchup. Marshall ten and a half point or ten point favorite. Um, so that's very winnable. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. double digit favorite. Yep. Very winnable game uh, for CUSA um, against the AAC ECU. Oh, and two on the year. Uh, then you have Old Dominion at Liberty. I think Liberty probably be expected to roll on that. Yeah. Liberty's twenty seven half point favorite. Yep. Uh, Charlotte and Georgia State in a possible uh, future a- AAC uh, matchup. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, maybe that's in Atlanta. Uh, Georgia State's actually Georgia State's a four point favorite in that. Charlotte's two and zero, oh. hmm. um, so that's a little surprising. Um, FIU at Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech twenty point uh, favorite. Then UAB in North Texas. Uh, probably you know if you're thinking you can make a run at the West, you want uh, probably want UAB to lose. Uh, yes. Just get is that, that. Is that that's in, in Birmingham? Denton. In Denton, okay. Yes. UAB is a 12-point favorite, though. Uh, and then Rice is at Texas. Um, was that the – was we JFK had that quote in the 60s. We don't play – or why do we choose to go to the moon? Or why does Rice play Texas? Why do we choose to go to the moon or something like that? Not because it is easy, but because it is hard. I'm thinking <laughs> – 
why does Texas play – or somebody had a tweet like, why does Rice play Texas because the Longhorn Network needs like – Another another game, more inventory to show on their TV network or something like that. That's right. kind of a funny tweet. Right. Um, I think Texas actually did play at the uh, play them at the Texans stadium a couple of years ago. So, but yeah, Longhorn Network probably going away with the <laughs> SEC. Probably so. Probably <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah. So some good ones there this weekend. Um, it pretty much covers it. Yeah. yeah uh, about. uh. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I had anything else on realignment. I thought I was going to say one more thing on uh, 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 this is minor, but on uh, baseball schedule, Ole Miss yep. uh, released their schedule uh, today. This is Wednesday. Um, uh, what, okay, yeah, uh, April fifth at um at Trustmark, and then May the eleventh. That might actually be the last midweek game of the year. Yeah, that's May, late. May the eleventh uh, in Hattiesburg, Ole Miss. They schedule. When they come to um, when they come to Hattiesburg, they skip. That's actually I think the second to last midweek game, um, or second to last week. Uh, they come to Hattiesburg on the way to Baton Rouge, so it's just kind of easy midweek game to play. But that is going to be a late uh, game, May the eleventh. Uh, so that's five. If you're counting five out of fifty-six on the uh, baseball schedule, um, I had tweeted out a while back. North Alabama will be the uh, the opener. Uh, they were actually the first school to post their schedule, so. Uh, yeah, so five games thus far announced. Uh, North Alabama um, opening weekend for three, and then Ole Miss on the April 5th in Pearl, and then uh, May the 11th in Hattiesburg. So piecing it together a little bit, but I uh, got a long way to go. Yeah, it, it'll it'll be a little bit before we get the full schedule. Um, that's that's a that's a very late – typically we don't play them that late. Um, yeah. No, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just – yeah, like I was saying, it's dependent um, – um, when they come here, when they play LSU, uh-huh. um, and then when we go up there, I guess it's just whatever fits on both teams' schedule. But yeah, the LSU game is uh, cool. how they schedule USM basically yeah. when they come here, just because it's easy to come through Hattiesburg on the way to Baton Rouge. So that's what determines uh, the date of that game. For Patrick McGee, I'm Ben Mile. This has been another episode of Buzzardry. Thanks for joining us, and we will see y'all next time. This has been Buzzard Dream. Thanks for listening, and be sure to share and leave a review. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Buzzard Dream Pod for all you need to know about the show. See you next time.